Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Moore fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over the Rossi gets loose and Bergeron scores. Patrice What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Last week, we had to postpone the show due to technical difficulties, but we're back this week for the legendary Bobby Orr edition. I'm your host, Mark Allred, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Derek Del Vecchio. Derek, what's up, buddy? Not much. How you doing, man? Not bad, not bad. Hopefully, you had a good week. Very good week. Good, good. Um, busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's... You know the, the uh, forty hour a week and uh, preparing for everything and writing and the blog has got me a little drained, but I love doing it. It's a great hobby. Absolutely. Uh, let's just jump right in. Um, last week the Bruins had four games of their uh, six game road trip. Uh, they started off with a five to six loss uh, in Detroit. In Detroit, um, I thought it was a it was an exciting game, a back and forth game, but uh, one that I thought that the bees really let up and uh, could have had the two points there. Um, and uh, moving on to Tuesday night was a two to one win against Columbus, uh, a good, a decent game. Uh, another a, a team that is uh, fighting to stay out of the basement, I guess. But I also thought that the Bruins could have played better and put those guys away. Um, Thursday night in Nashville, it was a two to nothing loss, which was uh, the Bruins didn't even show up. I didn't I didn't really enjoy that game at all. I think the Providence Bruins could have showed up and played a lot better. <laughs> Probably right. And the last night's game, um, the beginning was a little rough to watch, but the second half of that game, they really turned it on. And like we talked in the um, the off air uh, chat, uh, Derek was mentioning Derek uh, um, Adam McQuaid uh, with his fight really juiced the uh, the temptations for a big win in Dallas to end the six game road trip. Taking eight of twelve points. What are your thoughts on all of everything that happened last week? Well, I mean, you know, this was a very difficult road trip. Uh, a lot of travel involved, and you know, for them to come out and uh, you know go four and two on the trip is huge for this team. Um, again, you know, it's great that they play well on the road, and you, you have to hope coming off this road trip that. Uh, they play the same way at home. 
But uh, it was great to see, you know. I would have been happy 500 on that trip. And for them to take, you know, eight points in four out of six games, that was huge. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, uh, great road team. Uh, very disappointing on the on the uh, at the at home. Um, so uh, we're gonna try to do a little bit uh, different stuff on this podcast. Um, we've gotten some uh, good feedback and some negative feedback, but um, we're gonna work on stuff. So I mean, it's all a work in progress. This is this is our fourth show, so. It's only going to get better with more practice, like I keep saying. But uh, I'm just going to do a quick stat pack um, about uh, the Bruins and up-to-date stuff. Uh, after 59 games played, the Bruins are 32, 21, and 6, so 70 points. Uh, climb, staying steady uh, in second in the Atlantic Division, fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're a way record. They, have, uh, they got the 20th win last night, which... I believe they had 19 last season. I could be wrong on that. Um, and their their home record, like we mentioned, was uh, is 12, 14, and three. In their last 10 games, they're six, three, and one. Um, the power play is slipping a little bit. Uh, they went to th- uh, fourth last week. And when I did my uh, my stats uh, this morning, they are up to third with a 22.5 percent. Uh, that and the first place is Washington with 23.2. The penalty kill went from seventh last week to sixth with an 83.5 percent. St. Louis is the new leader in uh, the um, the penalty kill yeah. with an 87.1. That's outstanding. That is very good. And they're, they're really turning it up. I don't really talk about West Coast teams, but, you know, it's, it's they're due for something, I guess. You know, it's funny, though. That team, you don't really hear much of them because they're going Dallas in the same division, and they've been the front runners pretty much all year. But, uh, yeah, they're going to be a tough team to beat in the playoffs, as the rest of the uh, seven teams that make it in that conference. That's true. Very true. Uh, goal scoring. Uh, everybody seems to think that the Bruins are not scoring goals. I don't know what they're talking about. Um, read up on some stats, people. Uh, the Bruins are ranked third for goals for the season with 177 goals. But their goals against is also another uh, critical area of improvement, which they are 11th with 162 goals against. Yeah, and you know, for a Claude Julian team, that's uh, you want those numbers to be better. But um, it just goes to show that if they can somehow through this deadline, you know, address that area and you know get a tough kid that's gonna you know play twenty plus minutes and you know tighten things up on the blue line, that who, who knows? You know, sky's the limit with these guys. One hundred seventy-seven goals. That's that's over three. Uh, that's over three goals a game. If they can just work on a way to kind of cut down on that goals against, they could be a tough team to beat. Yeah, you're right. Uh, if they can just tighten that defense up, you know, that that would be absolutely huge. Uh, let's get uh, right into the expectations of next week. Uh, they have the Columbus Blue Jackets are in town. At 7 p.m., 
Columbus is 23-29-7 with 53 points. Uh, and even though the Bruins are not a good home team, the Blue Jackets are not a good road team at 12-17-1. But their last 10, they're 6-2-2. Two two. Uh, that, that's a game that, that you, that's a must-need two points. Agreed. Um, and the teams like this are, you know, the Bruins are in the playoffs right now, as in the standings. But against teams like this, you must play like you want to be in the playoffs for over a round. Agreed. A lot of games, and I keep, I know I've been preaching about this for the four weeks now, but um, you know the the playing down to the the, the down to teams levels. Has got to stop, especially with uh, I believe it's twenty three or twenty two games to go um, in a tight Eastern Conference. Well, I mean, you want to try to win the games that you're supposed to win, and uh, you know this Columbus team is just you know you got a bunch of guys on that team. They don't know if they're going to be moved at the deadline or whatnot, and uh, right now they're just playing for jobs. So if you can get up early on a team like that, I mean. Nine times out of ten, you're going to win that game. You know, you just have to go in there and want to make the playoffs. And, you know, this is a team that uh, they should beat. Especially at home. The fans deserve it. Yeah. Uh, And then we jump to Wednesday when Pittsburgh comes to Boston, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Pittsburgh's record is 29-20-8, 66 points. And they have, they're over 500 on the road. At 12, 11, and 4, which is, you know, strange for a Pittsburgh team. Um, and their last 10, uh, 6, 3, and 1. So, uh, two tough, in my opinion, two tough uh, home games coming up Monday and Wednesday. I definitely beat Columbus, and you, I really believe you got to play a really good, tight game against a team like uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, the defense, you know, box those guys out. Don't let them take lanes like I've seen in the past four or five games when, you know, you're really leaving Tuca out to dry. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i a Tuca fan. I really am. but And I know he can make some of these saves, but when the defense is letting, you know, opposing players walk in like, like a lot of situations in the past – you know, four or five games. It's 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 a recipe for disaster. Agreed. And you know, this Pittsburgh team, we beat them back in December on a home and home. I know they're playing a lot better now with Sullivan in charge, and seems to you know provide structure to the team, and they they're playing well for them. But uh, again, we've beaten them twice. We know how to beat them. Um, but we'll have to see. Uh, hopefully, this Krug injury won't be as severe as it looked last night. And, We'll have a full lineup. Yeah, and Crosby's kind of like you when you touched on the uh, Mike Sullivan um, hire after um, uh, I don't remember what the guy's name was. It Mike Johnson? Uh, I think so. Yeah, um, was fired. Uh, it really put a fuel under his ass to get going, and you know he's been I, I believe a point per game player since. 
Could be wrong. But they made that. some pretty good trades too. I mean, they brought Hagel in onto the team, and he's you know a speedster, very solid on both sides of the puck. They made some good trades. Um, again, you know, uh, that's a team that uh, we need to beat, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, luckily, we already won the season series from them. We only played them three times, but uh, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to sweep them and. God forbid, you know, our paths cross down the line, you know, and we have to face them. At least we'll have that going in. Agreed. And then to wrap out the week, the Bruins travel to the Carolina Hurricanes in Raleigh, North Carolina to play the, yeah, the Hurricanes <laughs> at 7 p.m. Uh, Carolina's record is 27, 22, and 10, 64 points, and they have a 15, 9, 6 home record. The last 10, 6, 2, and 2. They've been a team that's really surprised lately. Uh, Cam Woods really stepped up his efforts in goal. Uh, Eddie Lack is a a hit-or-miss goaltender. Um, But Jordan Stahl, Eric Stahl, and a few other, I believe, Skinner. Those guys have really been playing well to turn this, to try to turn something into a positive and uh, that's a team that's definitely been playing spoilers lately to a lot of uh, other NHL franchises. And, you know, that's a team that very well, um, two days after that or three days after that, basically be changing the structure of their team with, you know, Stahl possibly going somewhere, maybe Ken Ward. So, you know, they're going to be a nervous bunch, not knowing what's coming up right on, around the corner. So that could be a really good time for us to catch them. Do you happen to know if Stahl and uh, Ward are on their last years of their current contracts? They are. They are. This is going to be free agents this summer. Okay, thank you, bud. I know that Cam Ward's been out with a upper body injury, and uh, I'm not sure if he'll be back for you know in time for the trade deadline. But uh, yeah, I mean that's a team that uh, is definitely going to change, you know. And so, like I said earlier, I mean this could be a good time for us to catch them. Sounds good. Um, so, like I said, we're going to try to do something a little different. And uh, instead of, you know, a lot, some of the people in the feedback have said it's just too much stats. And, you know, we are stat guys. I, I believe you are too. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I like that. I like to give the listeners all the information that I like to receive and then in, in turn bring it to you. So, um, what we're going to try to do is, uh, like, we're going to pick, like, a, maybe an article or two a week that we can discuss. And uh, I actually have one that really got my interest. And it's about, it's definitely reflects the Bruins fan base. And I believe that after the seven-year stretch that they had in the playoffs, I believe last season's face plant and this season's competitive... Um, Improvement, could I say that? Um, it's kind of disappointing when you look at some of the midterm ratings for uh, for viewings. And um, I happened to look, uh, look up this article from the Street and Smith Sports Business Journal, and I saw some pretty negative numbers. Um, the average rating on the top five teams in the NHL um, are. Buffalo at a plus 55%, 6.81. Yeah. 
Um, and then at the bottom five of that is Nesson at a 3.43. But the average rating change, the Bruins are in bottom six numbers with a minus 19%. So, yeah, yeah. And that, that kind of made me think, and, and it, it really jumped out, and I was excited to talk about this with you because I know you, you like this stuff too, but do you, do you think Bruins Nation's like pissed off and they just don't want to watch anymore? I'm sure there's an element of the fan base where that's the case. Um, no, I mean, some of us that are in the know, like you and myself, um, it's, it's, it's a bridge year. We all know it. They didn't come out and say it. They said playoffs and say it. so far it's it's gone well. I mean, they're right where they need to be. But at the same time, some people, they were just so in love with that 2011 team that with all the changes over the past few years, it's tough for them to let it go. I've seen that in my Facebook group. You know, a lot of them hang on to, you know, the whole Thomas Rask debate, which that went on for a few years. and Still going um, on. Yeah, it's still going on, absolutely. And that's the the issue. That was one of the most popular teams in this, I'd say, in a generation. And to me, this. And uh, I think a lot of people were upset with the changes. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's how it goes. So, so as a diehard Bruins fan yourself, I have a question. I mean, do you feel like there's uncertainty of the Bruins' future in the new GM Don Sweeney as in his rookie year uh, or is it just one of those things that they're not playing good I'm just I might watch a period and and turn it off kind of thing that's a good question Um, that's a tough one to answer I think a lot of people are skeptical Um, again you know uh, you know, the last couple of years, Shirelli was here. Um, again, his deadline deals were horrible when he was, was able to make them. A lot of the times he couldn't close deals. So I think a lot of people are very skeptical just because of, you know, um, the way the front office has been the past few years. And I feel bad for Sweeney in that respect because, you know. Um, he got again, dealt. He got dealt this hand. Exactly, and it's tough to really gauge what he's going to do here at the deadline because it's not like we have higher deadlines to compare them to. Like, like I, like I said, I don't mean to cut you off, That's but okay. like I said, uh, either last episode or the episode before that, you know, I give the guy it's Don Sweeney, I give the guy a steady B, just for the fact is that he is new at this, and. Uh, the Bruins are up against the ceiling in the in the, uh, when it comes to salary cap, so I kind of think he's done a good job and could have been better in other areas. But what GM doesn't go through this in salary cap hell? True, a lot of them are. There's I mean, there's very few teams out there that have more than a couple of middle of cap space. That's why you're seeing a lot of these money for money deals. Oh, you know, the money has to match up on both sides. That's why it's taken Sweeney so long to make a deal because right now the trade market's pretty much come to a standstill. Tons of rumors, a lot of info out there. But yet, other than that big, uh, mega Toronto Ottawa deal last week or the week before, whatever it was, 
there hasn't been really a lot of movement. A lot of teams are kind of just waiting and, you know, you got to wonder what domino has to fall in order for things to kind of pick up. So we'll have to see. I mean, we're a week away from a trade deadline now, so the yeah, next that, seven days could be interesting. And actually, uh, when you bring up the trade deadline, I just want to remind everybody that that's February the 29th. That's a Monday. So we are going to do a um, trade deadline show next week. Well, we'll cover a lot of, uh, you know, areas of concern, whether it be, you know, your favorite player coming this way or, you know, the the, the goods and the bads of making a deal. Um, and, you know, hopefully the Bruins don't I, – I mean, I'd like to see him make a move, but I'd, I'd also like to see him do it smart uh, with good return. Great. So uh, next Sunday we'll definitely talk about that because the deadline will be on Monday, and I think that's a perfect, perfect time to uh, dive right in, um, and we'll see what happens uh, from now till then. But they're in the playoffs right now, which is a good, good scenario. Whether you stay there is another totally different story. Well, I mean, even the teams that are in the playoffs uh, structure right now, you know, a team can't afford to go through a month where they stub their toe because, you know, things are pretty condensed between, uh, you know, second in our division and the last wild card spot. Yeah, there's a lot of jockeying around. It's 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 a very strange year with these teams that are so close. Well, it also goes to show how much the Western Conference is better than our conference. I, 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 I cannot stop agreeing with that. Yeah. I, I am a firm believer of, of retooling or revamping the system, whether it be with Julian or without him. Uh, sooner or later, this team has got to get on track with what everybody else is doing in the NHL. Right. Um, and there's other teams in the NHL that have to jump on board too. I'm not saying the Bruins are the only one, and 29 other teams are doing everything else. Right. What, what I'm saying is this is the, the times are changing. Players are getting faster, bigger, stronger, um, and I believe that. I mean, still have the big bad Bruins mentality. Yeah. But you know, get players that have scoring skill and offensive depth. Involved. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the energy line, but also, you know, there's that's three spots that could be potential uh, speed. You know, I mean, I, four lines can definitely outskate another team that's got three lines and an energy line. Right. And I, and I believe that that's what kills us a lot of the times in these games, even if the team's not even in the playoffs. They're getting outskated. Right. And and and, and la- I'm sorry. And last night's game was a perfect example. I mean, I, I I don't I don't want to be the negative guy on social media, but you know, I said that you know the Bruins have the worst record in the league after leading after two periods. That's an awful stat. That's that, that is not sixty minute effort. No, that is to me. I I I don't want to be calling people out or anything like that, but that goes on coaching. And that is, is, you know, an area that can kill you on the stretch. When you get into that where you're, you know, every point counts and 
you know, you look back at three or four of those losses and you say, well, God, you know, what were, where would we be with those extra six to eight points that we just absolutely pissed away? And, uh, you know, we can't really afford right now at this stage of the season to have any more of those. They have to be able to close teams out, whether they be home or on the road. You get a team on the ropes, you deliver the knockout punch. You don't sit there and play uh, you know, preventive defense and go for a skate. Play to the whistle. And that's what this team has to do. They have to be able to play a full 60 minutes, and when you get a team on the ropes, deliver that knockout punch. Get the next goal. Don't sit around and wait for things to happen because eventually it snowballs and it'll come right back at you. They have to play a full 60 and nothing less from here on out. And to follow up on what you just said, I've noticed a lot of the times, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to call people out and so on, but um, like Chara, for instance, I, he he just comes to mind because of the several times he's done this. But you know, when when the opposition's coming into the defensive zone, and it happened to be, look like it's offsides, yeah, like let's not try to get the referee the linesman's attention to say that it was offsides because what you're doing is you're slowing the play down and they're going to keep going right so you you you're, you're leaving yourself vulnerable for something bad to happen and it's not just Chara I'm not picking on him all right. I'm saying is plays like that like they they see something in the moment in the action during the speed it's a fast game I get it yeah. and they, you know everybody wants to play fair but let the linesman do your job, do his job. You do yours. Let's not, you know, hey, and then all of a sudden have the guy blow right by you. I've seen it. Because you're several, out of position. Yeah, I've seen it several times. Yeah. I, I'm sure you have too, and I'm sure other Bruins fans have too, but, I mean, that that is just annoying to me. So, um, injuries. Um... I like to check out this uh, NHL hockey injury list on uh, CBSSports.com. They seem to be a reliable source. And Tory Krug is listed as an upper body injury. Um, what did you think of the hit last night? I just, you know, it didn't, when I first saw it, it didn't look as bad as what I thought. But as they replayed the hit a few times, I mean, he was out of position. Yeah. But when he got hit, I mean, you know, it's too bad. I mean, free things like that happen constantly. That's just part of sports. And uh, you just have to hope that uh, this isn't going to be long term. When I when I first saw the hit, I, I, I'll admit that I, I had a little buzz. I had a uh, couple few coconut rum and fun drinks yeah, it's yeah. a Saturday night why exactly. not exactly gotta unwind <laughs> but I, I at first I'm like oh my god it's an elbow but then like you said once the replays came through he, he looks like he got caught up kind of chicken winged a little bit which I mean when you talk to people on social media uh, uh, separated shoulder came up a lot um, still no word on him from I'm um, from what I've heard so far, and I really haven't dug into it because it's only it's been less than 24 hours. But 
hopefully he comes back because he is a a valued asset on in um, offensive defensive style. You know, he's he's definitely one of those core players that can, you know, a positive player in an awful defensive possession number team. Yeah. If that, if I said that correctly, but you did. Yeah. Thanks, pal. <laughs> I'm here for you now. Nice, nice. We got to work together. I love it. Um, but I mean, those are the two injuries right now. Obviously, uh, Chris Kelly out with a, that awful leg. But um, who takes his spot? You almost gotta wonder if now that this happened last night, if it becomes somewhat long term. I think these injuries with shoulders, especially for a defenseman sometimes, a lot of it's pain management. You know, how much can you handle? You know, a small guy like Krug, he's going to get knocked around a lot. But he also throws his body around, too. He does. He definitely does. But you have to wonder now, and I know we're not going to go on to the trade issue too much because, you know, we'll deal with that next week. But you also have to wonder if it does become something long-term, as big a part as he is to our team, that'll force Sweeney to make a move a little quicker now than he would have liked. Yeah. I, I mean, do you, do you, do you rely on Zach Trotman to, to come? I, I just saw the scrunching of the face. You should have oh. seen folks. You should have seen his face. It was awful when I said Trotman, but, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, he's a good filling guy. He's, you know, he plays once every every I don't know, five games but I, I don't know if I can rely on somebody like him uh, for the remaining 22 or 23 games going into the playoffs um, and I, I think you're right I think that this might and you know the 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 play and I'm you know the play's been good yeah. they got eight of 12 points on the last road trip but there's still inconsistencies even though they're winning you know, Morrow actually looked really good last night. He's really He's, stepped it up. And he, you know, has the offensive capabilities, as does Colin Miller, where if you had to wait a week for the crew to get healthier for them to bring a reinforcement in to help on the blue line, that, you know, I think that those two guys can help us tread for a little bit. You know, um, I, you know, Colin Miller, I don't know if his situation is, you know, more in the doghouse with Julianne. But, uh, you know, like Morrow, this could be his time to really step up add to the offense. I mean, he has the skills, you know. So he put it together. He played consistent the next three or four games. I don't know. But, you know, he's definitely capable of it. You can tell by where he was drafted, you know. So we'll have to see. But, I mean, you get those two guys there, Colin Miller and Morrow, that could step up at least temporarily. Hopefully, you know, it won't be long. Hopefully, it was just a dinner and nothing more, but you know, we'll have to see, you know. Um, I just, I'm, I'm on the uh, the AHL.com's website, the transactions, and uh, there's no movement from the Bruins at all with Colin Miller, with this potential Krug injury, um, and Bruins are playing tomorrow against Columbus at home, so... Uh, and the Providence Bruins, I don't want to jump ahead. I want to talk about those guys soon. But they're playing at uh, 5 p.m. tonight against Hershey. 
So that, that that could be a scenario that Colin Miller plays in Hershey at five and then is on the road to Boston for the game at seven on Monday night. That's a possibility. Or uh, Miller stays down and Trotman slides himself in. Can I see that face again? There it is. There it is, folks. <laughs> Uh, like Moro looked good last night. Maybe they do bring Colin Miller in. Um, maybe this thing with Krug is only a one or two game day to day thing. You never know until it gets announced. But uh, you know, um, as far as Trotman though, you know the poor kid. He's going to be a decent player in this league. Um, I don't personally. My opinion is I don't think he'll be anything more than a third pairing or number seven defenseman on a decent team. Um, you know, he's a good player and, you know, I understand that we've been trying to develop and we drafted the kid, but at the same time, you know, you look at the, the couple of games that he played there and he just looked really out of place. His decision-making in the zone zone, I mean, he was a step behind. And, uh, you know, maybe he does end up, you know, regaining confidence and comes back in and plays well, but personally, I don't see it. I think he's a this year's bar It's my opinion. But yeah. From what I've seen. And uh, he's he's on a RFA next year. Um, I don't know. He's a good filling guy. He's a good role player. Um, but I, I, for a consistent job, I'm not sure if I would rely on that or. I'm not even sure if he if he's going to be a Bruin next year. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of what happens within the next seven days will have definitely a say in that. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't think so either. I, I really don't. I think you get to a point with, with a kid's development and you kind of understand where this kid is headed. And... Maybe in Sweeney and Julianne's mind, maybe they're not there with him yet. Personally, I, I, I don't see him, like I said, as anything more than a third pairing or number seven defenseman. You know, he's got size. He, Decision-making is, is erratic, and he panics. And that, you know, usually when that happens, the puck ends up in the back of our net. Yeah, I've been I've been paying attention to um, uh, this, this guy, Sean Tierney, on uh, Twitter. At Sean Tierney, TSS, um, he he's got some really good possession stats that he puts out for every game, and I've been looking and and I gotta tell you, Chara and Trotman's possession for the past I believe three games have been disgustingly awful, um, and and that's a huge concern for a defensive core that they just. They can't, the awful turnovers, the time in the zone. I mean, this, this, this decor cannot move the puck past the blue line. Yeah. No, they bottled up. You get a team with speed and they start hitting and it's like Keystone Cops in their own end. I, you know, and I could see them, you know, as a team in practice, those no look passes in the zone might work against guys that you see every day in the locker room and that you play every game but against opposing players you know they're going to sneak up on you and take that 
puck away. Right. So, I mean, there's no doubt in anybody's mind this team has to get better defensively. And, you know, and if it happens this week, we'll see what happens. And if it happens over the summer, that remains to be seen. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it's just frustrating to see sometimes, you know. I want to poke my eyes out every time I see shit like that. Yeah, it can be frustrating. You know, it's uh, it's tough when you're watching your team kind of rebuild certain parts of it, and you know you have to deal with these young players and the growing pains, and it's uh, it can be tough. It can be very frustrating. All right, so uh, how about we go down on the farm, down ninety five, and uh, have a discussion about the Providence Bruins and how they're doing? Okay. Did you want to bring something else up about the bees? Oh, no, you've been covering everything. I'm just, you know, agging along today. I, I got you. Well, the, the the Bruins are on a, currently on a two-game losing streak, um, but they're, they're, they're not bad. I mean, it's a competitive team, a definite team that's been on the uprise. But uh, after 51 games played, they have 24-17-8-2 with 58 points, fifth in the Atlantic Division, Eighth in the Eastern Conference, they're riding that line with the, um, I believe, Hartford. They're two. Uh, Hartford is two points behind them, so they're definitely jockeying for position. Um, they have a an awful away record, uh, a seven, twelve, and five and O record. Their home record, 17-5-3-2. Their last 10, they're 6-2, 1-1. And like I said, they're currently on a two-game losing streak. They have the best power play in the league at 23.4%. And their penalty kill is ranked fifth, which is rising uh, at 85.7. They are averaging 3.2 goals per game, which is... They're ranked eighth with 154 goals for, and ranked twelfth in goals against with 143. And but they're they're averaging 2.80 goals a game. You know, so that's an area of concern for the developmental system. But good things are coming out of this team. Um, Frank Vitrano is a constant improvement. Austin Zarnick, Koklachev, Griffith, those guys are, are you know, they're doing they're doing good this season and they have um they have good upside to their, their, their future, whether it be in Boston or not. Um it's good. It's good that they're playing well and, and definitely, you know, you get to the point where you wanna make a deal and you feel like one of these kids may not make it up to the big club. I mean, it's nice to have those kind of trade chips available if you need them. You know. Well, that's that's one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, in a recent discussion on social media. I'm not sure if it was Twitter or or, or Facebook, but um, Alexander Koklachov was the the main topic of uh, trade and value. Yeah. Um, He's he's doing outstanding this year down in Providence. 
and every you know a lot of people have seen that and they say great things about that but when it comes to Boston he's a no-show and I can understand the frustration from people when they when they talk about Kovalchev but um in my opinion I just don't think that he gets enough games he's a he's a one call up guy uh you know I don't think he's played more than two in a row in his career in the NHL um, you know, I wish they'd just give him a more of a chance. Like, you know, if they if there was an opportunity to give him five games to see what he can do and then evaluate from there. But um, right now, all I can say is he's an RFA after July 1. So what do you do with a player like that? Well, there's two things that you can do. Um Again, it, it, what's tough is you hear what he said during training camp, which obviously I think it pissed off not only the management, but coaching staff as well. But you really only have two options with him at this point. Um, you can hope that a team might somehow think that a change of scenery might do him well, um, or you can just let things be and then you know, June comes around and he walks. The biggest thing is, is that the whispers of him going to the KHL, I think that scares a lot of teams off. A lot of teams are like, well, why do we want to put time into this kid? And then July comes around and he's gone on back to Russia. And that's, you know, you would hope that the agent would have come out and somehow, I don't know, pooted rumor just so at least you know if, if the kid had a chance he could get out of the organization maybe he gets traded in a deal with Columbus or whatever and goes out there and does well and decides well, you know maybe I don't want to go to the KHL maybe I'd rather stay here I found a place where I fit in I get along I'm getting an actual opportunity or, you know unlike in Boston but you know where these rumors have come out about him leaving and going to the KHL that's really hurt him and it's hard also as far as being able to move them. But you never know. Like I said, it's seven more days, so we'll have to see. Well, you know, you know what's funny? It's a, I think it's really cool that you brought that up about the KHL. Um, I remember reading back in his past, um, he was playing for the Moscow uh, Spartak of the KHL. And he only played there one year, but didn't do very well in 26 games. He went 2-5-7 and seven and went back to his junior team in the OHL with the Winter Spitfires and continued to have a decent, decent year. I mean, he had a good career. I mean, his first year in 2010-11 with Windsor, he had 34 goals. Second year, 25 goals. And his third year, 22 goals. Um, those are decent numbers. And then you come to Providence, and in your first year, you score 21, and then it's 15 and 15. Right. But he's a good half-board half player. You know, he likes to dish the puck. But like you said, you know... When you open your mouth, you got to insert your foot. Absolutely, and that's one thing that uh, 
you know, you're playing on a fan base and a blue collar community. And, uh, nobody wants to hear that. Well, I'm not going to play in Providence forever. Well, hopefully not. Right. Hopefully you, you know, again, you know, I can understand the kid's frustration, but keep, uh, keep the microphone away from your mouth when you say it. And that was the issue with him. That just totally. And again, like I said, this fan base, you know, there's a lot of blue collar workers around here that bust their ass and work 40 hours per week. Nobody wants to hear that. You're making a million, what, 900000 or whatever on your contract? Play the games. Go out and earn it. You didn't hear Ryan Spooner last year sent down and, and piss and moan that, oh, Julian's being unfair to me. He went down, he kept his mouth shut, he got better, and when he came back and the opportunity arose, he seized the moment. And that's the issue with Kukuchev. Instead of opening your mouth, when you get an opportunity, seize the moment. Go out there and bust your butt. Get noticed. The time he was here, and maybe he didn't play a lot of minutes, maybe he got stashed on the third or fourth line, whatever. I didn't even notice the guy. The only game that I really noticed him was the one that he scored that shootout goal. That was a good goal, too. That was a good goal. That was sick. But that was, other than that, he really has never stood out to me. Great you point. know, and I don't know if it's lack of time. Maybe he's just not cut out for it. Maybe he's better off going across the pond and playing over in his home country. And that's that brings me back to my original point when I brought this up. Is it, you know, he didn't seem like he was thrilled to be in the OHL and wanted to step it up to a professional level, and then went over to the KHL in a professional level and wasn't happy there either, and right. then came back. And you know, and join the Providence Bruins. It, it's more or less like you know, I just don't think the kid's happy anywhere. Agreed. But you know, I like him as a player, and and he does hold some kind of value. I'm just not sure if it's here in Boston. Agreed. Already but, agreed. Yeah, but, but uh, moving forward, um, let's talk about the week ahead for the Providence Bruins. Uh, like I said earlier, they have a game today in Hershey. This is the uh, tail end of a back and back they lost last night um, it was a tough game uh, but the game's at 5 o'clock tonight and Hershey is 24-19 3-7-68 points they have a very impressive home record the Bruins are going to have a tough tough t- game today as they did last night uh, their record at home is 18-5 1-5 and they're 7-1-1 in their last 10 um Great numbers. Yeah, Hershey's a powerhouse. Uh, you remember Dan Ellis? I do. The goaltender? Yeah. He's down there. Ah. I watched him play last night, man. What He's impressive. No, Hershey's what? The minor, minor league team of uh, Colorado? Washington Capitals. It's Washington. They've changed so much down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Friday, next, uh, I'm sorry, this week, uh, Bridgeport comes to the dunk. For a 705 tilt against the Baby Bruins. Pro, uh, Bridgeport's 28 19, 3 and 2 with 61 points. And they have an 11 10, 3 and 1 away record. But in their last 10, they're 8 0 1 and 1. So that would be a tough test. And then another back to back on Saturday, the Bruins travel to Bridgeport for a 7 o'clock game. And against the same Bridgeport Sound Tigers. 
So an exciting week for the uh, Boston Bruins and uh, and Providence Bruins alike. I'll be watching every game, so you'll always get my personal insight on what's going on and my stats. I know you don't like them, but I like stats. I do too. <laughs> so uh, we're coming up on uh, forty-five minutes so far. So let's. Um, this has been a good show. Really enjoyed this one. Um, let's talk about some uh, prospects. Uh, this was a last-minute thing for me because I, I, I'm, I turned 40 in 2015, so my mind's slipping a little bit. So I get a couple of years on you, buddy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, you said it. <laughs> but um, I, I, I always forget about the NCAA and USHL players that the uh, Providence, I mean the Boston Bruins organization has under their belt, but. I did pick out some uh, players of interest, um, especially ones in the in the Canadian Junior Leagues. Um, my buddy Zachary Sinishin, um, he has a season total of 34 goals, 17 assists, 51 points in 54 games. Uh, last week, he played in two games, uh, and he had a goal and assist for two points. Wow. Wow. Uh, he continues. It doesn't matter if that guy goes on a five-game pointless streak. He's still got game. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I love stats and everything, but you can't base your evaluation just on numbers. He's got. He's got a good overall game. He does, and you know, like you said earlier, there's been a lot of guys that have kids. Sorry, that have really done well and exceeded. You know, excelled at that level, but their numbers don't translate when they get into the pros. But you know, this kid definitely—he's uh, definitely uh, no stranger to the front of that net. He loves to shoot and loves to score. Did you happen to read the uh, the article from Emily Benjamin? Which one about Zach Senishin? I did not. She went up there to visit. Uh, I believe that they the Bruins were in the local area. I'm not sure where. Okay. But she went and met with him and his family, and I believe saw our game, and did a really nice interview on him. And he, I, I really wish I pulled this up to read a little bit from it because it was a really good article. But he is determined to make the Bruins roster over the summer. I mean, to go through development camp, yeah. um, uh, rookie camp, development camp. And then even the Bruins uh, training camp, he wants to, he's pushing himself to be a part of this team next year. And I got to give that kid a lot of credit. But I also, on the other side of the coin, because I'm a two-side you know, side person, I also don't want to see him get these expectations and um, overdo it and uh, burn a year of entry level, you know. Agreed. Agreed. And you know, I, I, one thing I'll say about Sweeney, and what, from what I've seen so far, is he has done a good job of not burning the ELC, the entry level contract, not burning years off of it, um, which is important, you know, because, you know, in the, uh, the age of the cap, you have to be able to catch lightning in a bottle with some of these entry level contracts. 
before you have to go out and pay them the big bucks. See what you can get from them in the two or three years that they're here before you have to pay them. Exactly, and and just to throw in like um, like David Pasternak, I believe David Pasternak burned a year of entry level um, when he was a full time player last year. He did, and I mean that's tough because I mean you have three years, you burn one. Now you have to negotiate with him, and not only that, but you also have to negotiate with other players. Right. So it it just makes a kind of a a, like you said earlier, I love the term bottleneck yeah. for Sweeney to to really sit down and figure out what he really wants to do. And I'm all about development. You know, we talk all the time. I like kids being brought up the right way, and I don't like them rushed. Other people say, "Oh my God, he's the best thing. He's going to be the next this and that." That's that's fine. Expectations are awesome, but you know. The product on the ice is the ultimate tale of what the player is going to do in the future. Agreed. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm ecstatic for the kid. I mean, I, I wasn't, again, I'll say, I wasn't high on, on them picking him, but he certainly made me eat my words. Yeah. You and a lot of other people. I mean, what about the uh, uh, you know, 15, 16 teams that picked before us that didn't pick him? And who knows, if Sweeney didn't make that pick, would he be around in the second round? We, you never know. We wouldn't be talking about this. Exactly. So, uh, just uh, just to keep moving, I don't want to keep rushing, but, but uh, Jeremy Lousen, defenseman from the uh, Naranda Huskies of the Quebec Major Hockey League, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, in 36 games played, he's 6-32-38. Last week, he had one goal against the Gatineau Olympic to snap a 10-game goal drought. And, you know, that doesn't really bother I mean, defensemen don't really bother me when it comes down to stats like that. But uh, I watch a lot of his games, and he's, uh, he's, a, he's a big, lanky defenseman uh, that has uh, good um, possession skills. He can move the puck out of the net, but he's also playing against a lot of players at his own, his own age. But uh, definitely going to be an asset sooner or later, whether it be in Providence or the NHL. Yeah, and, you know, he's going to have a lot of competition. I mean, let's not forget about O'Gara and Ursulik and these other kids that are in the system right now. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be amazing to see what kids actually stick and who doesn't. Right, and those are, those are players that I've really got to get more involved in. I mean, it's, you know, I don't want to keep crying all the time, but, you know, Building up for a podcast is a lot of work. But uh, moving on to Jakob Zborl, the defenseman from the St. John Sea Dogs of the QMJHL. Uh, his season total in 38 games played is 5, 12, and 17. Last week's stats, one goal in four games as he scored against, the Val- as he scored against Valdor last night. And that was a good game to watch, too. Uh, he's an, he's impressive, uh, you know, work in progress. Um, moving on to the uh, Western Hockey League, my buddy Jesse Gabriel from the Prince George Cougars. Uh, season total after 59 games, 37 goals, 32 assists, 69 points. Last week's stats, he's had two goals in two games but snapped a five-game point streak with a loss last night. To the Red Deer Rebels, Jake DeBrusque's Red Deer Rebels. 
Bruin versus Bruin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I watched that one too, and it was it was good. Uh, you could definitely. I saw a couple times in the pregame warmups that um, Gabriel was actually chirping DeBrusque. as they go as they're going around and doing their skates. They kept blah 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 blaring at each other, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be good. I'm definitely going to stick on this game." But uh, stuff you want the kids to be competitive with one another and push each other. That's a good thing. Absolutely, you know, you not only are you continuing development in your in the Canadian Junior League, you're also being watched all the time. So, you know, what you bring to the table is constantly up for evaluation. Uh, speaking of the Red Deer Rebels, left wing Jake DeBrusque, uh staying in the Western Hockey League. Uh, he's got season totals of 17, 33, and 50 in 49 games played. Last week, no points in four games and is currently on a f- season-high five-game point-less streak. So no points in five games. And to top it all... Yeah, those streaks are going to happen. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're, they're kids. I mean, most of these kids are 18 right now on this list. Uh, maybe one of them's 19, so... I mean, it's constant development, um, no matter what ranking you are. You know, you're going to get your opportunities, and you're going to excel, or, you know, or just ride the boat. And the last one is uh, defenseman Brandon Carlo from the Tri-City Americans of the Western Hockey League. He's got a season total of 38 games played, 2 goals, 17 assists, 19 points. Last week's stats, no points in three games, and is currently on a four-game pointless streak. I can't wait to see this kid play. I really honestly think this kid's going to be a future cornerstone of this defense. I mean, he's got all the tools, size. He just has to put it all together now, and hopefully that learning curve will uh, go in the right direction for him. Real quick about Brandon Carlo, and I'm going to ask you about this. Do you think that he has an opportunity – before players like Grizzlick and, and O'Gara? It's going to be a good question. Um, I mean, it's all going to basically depend on basically what kind of unit we end up with. Um, I think right now, I think we want to try to get a better balance and have your offensive defenseman paired up with your defensive defenseman. So we'll have to see. Uh, Gerslick has had, you know, injury issues throughout his career, college career. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's got good numbers this year. He's playing great. But at the same time, it could be difficult for him. Uh, Ogara, he's more of, I'd say, more like a big, giant uh, stay-at-home defenseman. I was just about to say that. Yeah. So it, it all basically depends. Um on what kind of player that they are and what player do we have now that's going to be blocking you know a lot that goes down this week is going to pretty much determine that well, not only that but uh, players like Ogara and Grizzlick uh, that are playing in the in, in uh, hockey east I know Grizzlick plays with BU and, and Ogara's at Yale Ogara's at Yale they have the opportunity in the season after their season year which is this year to go to the AHL, opposed to players like any of these guys in the OHL, Q, and the W that are still under those rules, you know, that you can't 
you either make the NHL roster or you're sent back to the to the juniors. See, this is what drives me crazy, and I wish they were more consistent. Have just one solid line when it comes to OHL players. When it comes to the you know kids coming out of college, and there just needs to be one universal rule instead of well, this guy can't come and play till he's twenty, but yet this guy can go down to Providence and play till he's twenty. I'd like to see it more consistent. I think that would be a big help. I think these, these different agreements that they have is, you know, it, it must drive a GM crazy. Now, listen to this. I was, um, I, as you know, I'm a huge podcast fan, and that's all I listen to nowadays. I don't even listen to radio anymore at work. But um, I was listening to a, a nice little nugget from uh, Sportsnet with um, Don McLean, uh, Nick Kiprios, and... Yeah. Uh, Darren uh, uh, no no it's some uh, his name's Lart uh, I don't know, I, it's some sports net but um, they were talking about Austin Matthews and Austin Matthews left to go to a, I believe a Switzerland team mm-hmm. and he's being coached by Mark Crawford oh. now by that move he is now listed as a European skater. So when he gets drafted, he's going to be drafted as a European skater. So when he comes back over here, I have a strong feeling this kid's going to make an NHL roster. But if he doesn't, he's going to he can be placed in the AHL. Unreal. I see. You know, there's all kinds of uh, loopholes. Yeah. So I, I read into it a little bit, and then you go back to the rule that the CHL has with the NHL in the collective bargaining agreement, saying that you know if the guy if they don't make the roster, an NHL roster, they must be returned. They can't go to the AHL. So that what a loophole. You know whether whether it be Edmonton saying hey. You might want to go here because if we pick you up, <laughs> you know, because as 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 the course goes right now, and and the money and the uh, the uh, lottery balls fall, I have a good feeling Edmonton's probably going to get another one, bastards. You know, and that's like the last thing that they need. And it's funny because you know Shirelli's going to be in charge of that uh, you know that draft, and his time here, other than the one or two that he you know Gretzky was in charge of. You know, do a great job. So, and if I'm Edmonton, I, you know, with all the the, uh, the talent that they have up front, you should take one or two of those guys, whether it be R&H or Everly, and package the draft pick. Bring in a couple of veterans that are going to, you know, help accelerate the rebuild. Yeah. That's a team that's been stuck in neutral for a long time now. And you look at all those assets, man. Oh, yeah. All those assets, and you still can't get out of the basement. And it's amazing because all of those contracts are going to be up together. So it, it's like you either make a decision now and kind of thin the herd and, and try and balance your team or forget about it. You're going to lose them once they come up to be uh, re-signed. So and, good luck, Chia. <laughs> I was going to say, and the perfect GM to have that fall on his lap is Peter Shirelli, the Edmonton Oilers general manager. God help them. Go on, get. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're about an hour, so I think that's it. Um, a great show, Derek. Thanks again, as always. Uh, my right-hand man, my friend, my co-host, 
we're doing we're doing good. I like this. I appreciate it, man. It's always fun doing this podcast every week. Look forward to it. Absolutely. And um, take the opportunity, as always, to reach out to everybody that sent feedback in, uh, positive or negative. We we take everything, and um, you know, work on things. We are a continual um, progression. We'll get better. Um, please stick around. And uh, thank you again for the support. Um, and we'll see you next week for our uh, deadline trade deadline special. Sounds good, man. Can't wait for that one. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Take All care. Right, and Have a good weekend. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Please join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.